From the home of the Wet Mountain Valley, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show. Turn around the world as a podcast, but also right here in the Wet Mountain Valley on 91.7 KLZR. Matt West here hanging out with you on a Saturday morning talking about cars. You have tuned into the correct car show. Also, by default, the only car show uh, here on this radio station. But you know what? That means that that means it's a win. Now, I've got a lot of fun stuff here to talk about. We've got a uh, pretty packed show. We're going to talk a little bit about how a Daytona and Superbird are being rescued after Hurricane Ian. And should you try to save a flood damage car? It brings up that question and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to answer that. Also, we're going to talk about Toyota, how they have now beat Tesla to the market for making an EV pickup truck. Yes, Tesla, you know what? They've been talking about the Cybertruck. It's not been happening. And now Toyota takes it to the plate. And uh, we'll we'll see. This maybe not. It's maybe not quite a Cybertruck rival. We'll uh, we'll get into it. And we're also going to discuss a major legal battle, major legal battle win for Mustang enthusiasts. This is uh, really cool, especially if you like one particular Mustang from the Gone in 60 Seconds franchise. We're going to hit on that. We're going to hit on all of that stuff as well as your car sounds on this edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. Of course, if you love cars, you should love the RPM Act. I talk in great detail on the podcast um, about the RPM Act and how it protects motorsports, race cars, and uh, limits the EPA's authority to do things that are bad for race cars and practically anybody who likes cars. So if you want to hear more thoughts on that, that is available on the podcast. Now, quick programming note, um, no show next week. And uh, we are taking a break, taking a weekend off because next week is not just any weekend. It is uh, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is happening. And uh, on the radio station here, um, we're all going to be stepping back and playing some Christmas music through the holiday weekend. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be able to just sit back, enjoy some time with the family. Um, so no show, no this show at least next weekend. But there is going to be some fantastic programming that everyone has been working hard to put together here at the radio station. So you definitely want to stick around for that. It's going to be really good. Looking forward to Christmas. I've got my automotive wish list um, put together, and uh, I don't know. Hopeful, hopefully Santa sees it, and hopefully Santa's got the budget for uh, some uh, <laughs> Fortunato 510 coilovers for the S2000. A few other odds and ends here and there. Uh, Nine Lives Racing uh, Time Attack Wing. A few, few little, few little things. They're really cheap. Definitely really cheap. So, <laughs> oh man, now. One thing I want to touch on here uh, in the first segment of the show is something fantastic, which is um, uh, it's uh, the things that happen with the Hoonigan Gymkhana series. If you're not familiar with this, um, it's where uh, the Hoonigan YouTube channel, very prominent YouTube channel with almost 5.3 million subscribers, does some fantastic stuff uh, relating to cars. Um, usually 
Hooning Cars. Get it? The name Hoonigan. And uh, every year they do something absolutely ridiculous. They do all sorts of um, crazy stunts, stunt driving with some of the highest performance purpose-built race cars you can find. And uh, this year is no different. In the past, they've had uh, Ken Block racing his all-wheel drive Mustang up Pikes Peak. Um, And as you know, I like to do a lot of coverage surrounding Pikes Peak. I go out and attend the race, interview the drivers. One thing, one exclusive thing you get on this radio show that you don't really get in other places. So I enjoy being able to provide that for you. But I digress. So every year, Hoonigan comes out with a new video, usually a different driver doing something absolutely bonkers. And this year is by no means uh, no different because uh, this year they just posted a video uh, a couple days back from Travis Pastrana. He's the driver and uh, he goes absolutely nuts with a 862 horsepower Subaru wagon. Yeah, it's uh, it's not just any ordinary Subaru wagon. It's it's a little different. This one's <laughs> it's called the uh, the family Huckster and it's all wheel drive. 862 horsepower and it has active aero um and it's got these crazy like flaps that'll come up at different speeds all over the car it's not just an active wing or an active splitter it's all over the entire car cool crazy digital dash cluster totally custom one-off it's a really cool car and it looks like an old family sedan with you know a wide body kit some big wheels and tires it's you can tell it's not normal but the thing is, these uh, these videos, these Jim Connor videos, are just they're they're getting absolutely out of hand. I remember some of the first ones in the early days of the internet. These became very popular. I should say not the internet, but in the early days of YouTube, these became popular because, uh, well, this has never happened on YouTube. It'd be a guy in a race car hooning it around a street. Who knows if it was actually legal or not? Well, they progressed to the point where they. Uh, had the funding and the resources to actually have the police close off sections of road, and they would post a crazy video of someone doing totally awesome stunt driving um, through through the streets of whatever town, usually in say California or whatever. Uh, well, this year it's just out of hand. Okay, so they let me let me list off all the things here uh, that they have, and I, I'm just looking at the video kind of here as I'm telling you this uh, because <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to tell you over radio, but. Um, the stunt driving has become absolutely nuts. Like, okay, just having a fast car and drifting it through the streets. That's not enough to get you clicks on the internet anymore. No, sirree. No, it's not. You got to do crazy stuff. So one thing they do, they jump the car and then slide it like a skateboard on a set of concrete barriers, like a skateboard trick, except with an entire car. Uh, then there's lots of copious drifting and donuts and figure eights in the streets. At this point, that's all just... That's all just filler because what happens next is they continue to drive this car when which they drifted around a monster truck that's doing a wheel stand. And then they go from there and um, cut to a scene where they uh, they're driving across a bridge and suddenly a fighter jet appears. A jet appears. You get the visual from the jet. He's flying next to the car as it's driving on the bridge, uh, gives him a thumbs up, keeps going. Then they jump the car over a section of bridge and then and it gets and then and then right i keep saying this but it gets even more intense because they jump it over another section of bridge that is missing and hovering in the middle part of the bridge that's missing is a helicopter so then they jump the car over the hovering helicopter and then they keep going 
in which they uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing here. There's this is like a 10 minute video of just absolute automotive carnage and precision driving. Incredible stuff. Uh, lots of other scenes. Then they decide to hydroplane the car and skip it like a rock across a pond. They drive it really fast, jump it, bounce off of the pond and literally hydroplane across the pond because the car is a flat bottom for aerodynamics. Um, meanwhile, never stopping for, you know, like an actual tire change. They've, they've smoked so many tires. That I wonder how many tires it actually took to uh, put together this uh, this film on on just absolute uh, automotive uh, madness. Um, they finish off the scene with the um, uh, the driver going to an open area where there's another helicopter hovering. He does donuts around the bottom of where the helicopter's hovering and then gets out of the car, grabs onto the um, grabs onto the bottom of the helicopter and then it lifts off taking him with it. I mean, this it took me how how many minutes here to explain this to you? Um, because this is my point. Um, this whole genre of video uh, became became popular. This became a thing in the early days of the internet because we had nothing like it before. Well, now there's if you want drifting videos, there's everyone, everyone and their grandmother, their dog too has drifting videos on YouTube. It's nothing special. So how do you make it special? We're talking fighter jet, helicopter, bridge jumps, hydroplaning a car, skipping it like a rock across a pond, all of the above in one video. These things are getting out of hand. That, that's the point I'm trying to make here is it's not just about stunt driving. It's about making this as absolutely ridiculous as possible. <laughs> like, how can we make it more crazy? They probably spend the entire year scheming. What's our next one going to be? How do we one up ourselves on the previous one? And um, it's interesting. We've just we've reached a point in, in an intersection of automotive culture and internet culture where this this happens now. You're you're not cool if you're uh, on the internet if you're doing car stuff unless you're jumping over helicopters and uh, skipping cars across ponds. You're not. You're just. You're just not cool. Sorry. I mean, you know that's. Uh, you know that that's why this show is. Um, you know, it's it's on the radio, but it's on a it's on a podcast too. It's the podcast happens on the internet, and um, yeah, I guess by that definition, we're not cool at this show because I don't have the budget for helicopters and fighter jets, and and also how would I show that to you over over audio? I I don't even I don't even want to begin to understand how to do that. So anyway, um, yeah, there you go. Those Jim Connor videos are absolutely getting out of hand. It's bonkers. Now, hey, coming up in the next segment of the show, Toyota's new EV pickup truck is, uh, is surprising, and they beat Tesla to the punch with it. I'll tell you about that coming up here in just a minute. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving... <laughs> Working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft. Child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep. That was us. F1. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell. We even wrote the Wikipedia article. Fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can interact with and download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? 
Learn more at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. All right, and here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD show heard right here in Southern Colorado on the radio. It's 91.7 KLZR, the voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. Matt West here, hanging out with you, talking cars on a Saturday. What better things can you talk about on a Saturday? Those car sounds were sent in by Aaron. That was him doing some amazing wedding donuts. One of my favorite sound clips that has been sent in to me. Uh, You know, I do enjoy that. If you have those sound clips of your car, of uh, your buddy's car, whatever, uh, I love playing them on the radio. And you can you can send them to me, and I will play them on the radio. That's what I like to do. It's a lot of fun. So you got to do that if you if you so choose, and uh, I hope you do. Uh, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD is where you send those car sounds in. Uh, alternatively, if Facebook's not your thing, that's okay. Uh, Matt at ThrottleWarrior.com is the email address so there you go check that out it's a lot of fun now i gotta talk a little bit about evs i uh, a few weeks back expressed some opinions about evs and we do have uh, a couple of ev owners in westcliff just just uh just a couple maybe one one no two yeah they're uh they're a rare breed out here and uh, <laughs> they are a rare breed indeed but i did get some criticism for my opinion on EVs, which is that they cannot be sports cars. EVs will never be sports cars. Um, they can be delivery trucks, delivery vans, garbage trucks, uh, mail vehicles. Um, even they can be fast cars. Sure. Yeah, they're fast, but they're not sports cars. A sports car is supposed to be engaging. I would argue that even most sports cars without a manual transmission with an automatic transmission aren't sports sports cars i mean you do have to differentiate between sports cars and muscle cars uh, and things like that and uh, i will make an exception for automatic transmissions but i still even think as a sports car a true bare bones sports car is best enjoyed with a manual transmission a high revving naturally aspirated engine it can be turbo but really like the, the roots of it got to be naturally aspirated and uh, it's got to be a two-seater um, and uh, convertible top. Eh, doesn't have to be, but preferably, right? And there's a number of cars in the world that that are like that. Those are sports cars. Um, EVs can never do that because EVs don't have engines to be engaged with and have uh, you know engine noises. That's important, and they don't have manual transmissions, which is also important. Also fascinating to note is that no manufacturer has even attempted to make a sports car at the moment. Tesla makes sedans that are fast. And yeah, Tesla makes a sedan that's faster than any other sports car. But a fast car is not always a sports car. There's just a, there's a clear delineation between the two about how this works. And uh, that being said, um, I acknowledge that, you know, if you want to buy a Tesla because they're really fast, that is fantastic. That's great. Do it. I'm all for going fast. But saying that say, saying that it's uneducated of me to believe that you can't have an electric sports car, I just don't think is correct. And I did get that criticism. Now, we're going to talk about one thing here that EVs are good at, which is being small, short-distance fleet vehicles. And Toyota has just 
come out. They just unveiled the Toyota Hilux Revo BEV. 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 Yeah, it's a weird car name. Stands for battery electric vehicle, though. I do think we need to come up with something a little catchier than, you know, just putting Bev at the name of anything that happens to be electric. Um, at this day, Bev, it's not a very, uh, it's not a very, like, insightful word. But anyway, that it's not even a word, it's an acronym. But that being said, Toyota unveiled the Hilux Bev. And the Hilux Bev is... Um, an electric version of the Hilux. Now, you might be saying to yourself, what is the Hilux? The Hilux is a truck that is made for predominantly everywhere in the world except America, or the United States, more importantly. Um, we have, as far as small to, uh, Toyota trucks goes, we have the Toyota Tacoma. I own one. Uh, the rest of the world gets the Hilux, but this is not just a international version of the same truck. The Hilux is fundamentally different it is. It shares very few parts with the Tacoma. Mechanically, it's really different, um, and they're not the same truck in the slightest. Uh, I think the United States. You know, we always get the second pickings from auto manufacturers. We always do. Um, you know, we never get the coolest stuff, the coolest trim levels, even some of the coolest cars. In the case of the Tacoma, we absolutely do, in my opinion, get the cooler not even the cooler version, just the model that's only sold here in the United States, in my opinion. Now, the Hilux does have much love around the world, and it's, it only makes sense that Toyota electrifies the Hilux, or at least sells an electric version of it, before any other pickup truck in any other market. Why is this cool, though? So, they unveiled this thing as a work truck, as an electric-only work truck with a bed, a huge bed. It's a single cab, big bed on the back of it, tie down points, every single area you can imagine. And this is just cool because, you know, especially for other countries, uh, where you've got a lot more, uh, say, you know, uh, agriculture industry going on in a lot of Asian countries, as far as rice goes and other things. These are the perfect vehicles. When you look at you know, all the stuff that happens in these other countries, be it Thailand, be it Vietnam, be it wherever. People, anyone doing the work these days has a little, it's a little small pickup truck. And this is perfect for it because what do you have? Say if you're a fleet operator and you've got several trucks, several work trucks that travel around the job site um, and don't go very far. You're not road tripping these things and every night you're also parking them there. Guess what? You're charging them there too. Um, or you're a fleet operator at a facility. So you've got a single facility. You don't move job sites very often, but you still need trucks to move things around your site. This is perfect because, you know, with a gas truck, you have to keep gas on hand if you want to fill it at your work site, um, you know, or wherever your, your company is, your plant, whatever, whatever you're doing, right? Your farm, uh, for instance, too. I can relate it to that. Your farm, your ranch. Well, you got to keep gas on hand and then fill it up, or you got to take it into town to go fill it up. This thing is a little farm truck, a little work truck is ideal because you can plug it in, charge it on your ranch, charge it on your farm, charge it on your job site, and uh, it's always ready to go in the morning. You don't have to worry about, quote, range anxiety. You're not going anywhere with it. You're using it to move things around in a small location. Um, and this is particularly a good idea. This is the same argument I made a few weeks back when I talked about the um, United States Postal Service mail truck and then also how Amazon is uh, going to electric delivery vehicles in some markets. Uh, and, you know, so the United States Postal Service 
in inner city for inner city post offices, really, in my opinion, I, I'm a big car guy. I love V8s. I love gas engines. I love all those things. But in my opinion, in city centers um, where you're driving five feet, stopping, driving five feet, stopping, driving five feet, stopping again, um, it makes a lot more sense to have an electric vehicle do that task, especially if you park that electric vehicle at your, you know, wherever you have your vehicle fleet at any time. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, and, and that's, and that's what Toyota is doing. They're trying to capitalize on this market, which this market, we may not think about it every day, but this market is huge. This market is how work gets done. This is a real work truck. This isn't a super hundred thousand dollar luxury pickup truck, uh, EV thing. And no, no, this is a truck designed to get work done. And I think Toyota is going to sell a ton of these things. Um, maybe not right away, but I think they're going to sell a ton of them. It, it just, it just makes sense. And so now I can say tongue firmly planted in cheek that Toyota is beating Tesla to having an electric pickup. This is not the same type of electric pickup. It's not a luxury vehicle. This is a real pickup truck and Toyota did it first. Well, aside from Rivian and aside from Ford, Toyota did it first. We're just sticking with that. So, oh man. Oh man. There you go. Lots of stuff to get to in the show here. Uh, I might have to put off one of my topics, which is uh, the uh, Daytona that was swept away in the hurricane. We might touch on that uh, next week because I really want to touch on a important topic that is, uh, I think, crucial in a way to how we build cars and how enthusiasts build cars. And uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, how a legal battle has been won. If you want to build a cool Mustang that looks like a certain Mustang from a movie, well, you can do it now. I'll tell you about it here coming up after the break. 'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of turbos danced in their heads. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear. And a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. And then in a twinkling I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horsepower. Down the track, St. Nicholas came with a bound. A bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to his Supra with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With 40 pounds of boost on tap, he tore, knowing the children would soon have more. Saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Horsepower. And here we are rocking it for the third half of the Automotive ADHD show right here on 91.7 KLZR, Voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. Matt West here hanging out with you on a Saturday, the best day to talk about cars. Those car sounds came from Steph and his new to him, uh, Shelby GT350. That is the cool one, by the way. That's a 2016. That is the one with the flat plane crank V8 that does over 8,000 RPM. Can you imagine 
8,000 plus RPM in a V8. Well, you don't have to because you you just heard it. So there you go. That is so cool. Of all the Mustangs, I, I once used to own a Mustang. I had a, a new edge Mustang. It was a 2003. Nothing like that one, though. Redline was a paltry, what? 5,800 RPM, 6,000. I don't remember. It was a lot lower than that, though. It's still a fun car. I do like Mustangs, though. You do have to be careful wherever uh, you drive, because uh, if a wild crowd appears at a car meet, uh, well, you know what Mustangs do. So anyway, uh, speaking of cool Mustangs and cool Shelbys, we got to get to this topic here. I only got a few more minutes to talk about it, but we're going to talk about how um, a big win has happened for the uh, the car scene for 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 anyone who wants to build a replica, an homage to um, any sort of cool Mustang, like perhaps the Eleanor Mustang from the Gone in sixty Seconds franchise. So, how what what has been happening here? There has been a ten year legal battle between a lady uh, of the name of Denise Halaki Halaki. Well, that's her name. Anyway, she is the wife of the uh, creator of the Gone in 60 Seconds movie franchise. You may uh, now, depending on when you were born, you may know the Eleanor Mustang, the Eleanor Mustang um, as uh, uh, as either a yellow and black uh, Mustang or perhaps a gray and black Shelby GT500, 67 GT500. Um, Regardless, the name Eleanor applies to both of them. And uh, the Gone in 60 Seconds movie was remade, first made in 1974, I believe, and then remade with Nicolas Cage in 2000. And anyway, the um, Denise, Denise Halaki, who is the widow of um, the creator, by the way, he passed away during the filming of the second film, uh, the second Gone in, or the Gone in 60 Seconds sequel, I should say. Um, she has been suing anyone and everyone who builds a Mustang that vaguely resembles either the yellow and black one or the gray and black one. Doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, and she's suing everybody, including Shelby, who built the car. Shelby, you know, built the GT500 that then became the gray and black Eleanor Mustang GT500, whatever, in the sec in the in the sequel um, or the remake, I should clarify. And she was suing Shelby, who wants to build more cars, not exact reproductions. They weren't branding them as Eleanor Shelby's. No, they were just selling Shelby's that were gray and black. And she was suing them on grounds of copyright infringement and intellectual property infringement. And um, which is crazy to think about that. Oh, yeah, it's a Mustang. They built it, but she can sue you because it's gray and black. Uh, And she went and she did this whole lawsuit on the premise that the Mustang was a character, that Eleanor is a character in the film. And a court just recently decided that that was not true. A court says, you know what? This is ridiculous. They have had lawsuit after lawsuit come across, uh, you know, through their courts uh, about this stuff. And I think the court was honestly getting, getting fed up with her suing literally anyone and everyone. But they decided that no, the Eleanor Mustang is not a character and is not entitled to the same copyright protection that is granted any other character. And I think in this case, that is a win. I do believe that she was abusing the copyright laws that we have in this country that otherwise exist to protect creators and 
and people who do stuff like that. Uh, a car that's a character, in my opinion, would refer to Herbie the Love Bug uh, or Kit from Knight Rider. Uh, now, a vehicle like, say, Paul Walker's Skyline in the Fast and Furious franchise or the Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit, while they are integral to the story, that does not count, in my opinion. They're not characters. Yes, they're integral to the story. They may be you know protected in terms of the film you can't say i'm selling one from the film or reproduction of the reproduction of the film one with the logo on it whatever that's a little dubious but generally speaking they're not characters um and it's interesting here here's a quote from the shelby trust who was uh, representing shelby who was getting sued over this uh they say uh, Miss Halaki's longstanding practice of trying to extract extract money from the uh, from Shelby GT500 manufacturers and car owners based on non-existent copyright is now at an end. They seem to be um, that's the end of the quote there. They seem to be pretty happy about that because the thing is this this lady was also suing like I said not just big companies not just Shelby who weirdly enough, makes the car that she's claiming copyright to. Um, she was also suing individual owners. Yes, if you bought a car that looked like Eleanor, or even this was your own car that you built to be an Eleanor tribute, but you never called it Eleanor, but it was a tribute. You liked the movie. You wanted to build the car from the movie. She was suing individual owners for this. Uh, one name, one big one was the B is for build YouTuber, another multi-million subscriber YouTuber who does car builds. He was building a tribute car that looked like it he never even got to the point of the paint stage or anything um and he built it on a mustang s550 chassis which is a new one um and he made it look a lot like a 67 gt500 they her legal foundation literally seized his car if you can believe that it's incredible um so all of this is uh, coming to an end that's a good thing if you're a mustang fan if you like building mustangs that look cool if you like building if you like looking at cool mustangs there you go so this is a win. Now, hey, I got to wrap up the show here. Merry Christmas. No show next week. Taking a week off to celebrate the holiday. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas, and I'll see you next year.